back for another day of talking about everything south of the Mason Dixon. I'm John Rawl. I'll be with you now for the next three hours on this fun ride across the Southland. This is what we call the Y'all Show, broadcasting on unbelievably awesome radio stations across the southeast and also our podcast available if you miss it on the radio you can go back anytime and check it out at y'all.com y'all is the home page of the south and if you don't want to find us there which we encourage you to do please bookmark it if you don't mind we also were available in podcast form at apple Podcasts, the iheart radio app the TuneIn app, and we're on Stitcher. So check it out. It's y'all. It's all about the South, and we're here all about y'all. <laughs> and it's so great to be back. I am John Rawl, General John Rawl, CSA Certified Southern American. And to all of my fellow CSAs out there, hope you're doing well. We have an awesome show planned today as we try to do each and every day here on Talk With a Southern Accent. Let me set the table of what's coming your way today. We've got a look at headlines on today's Y'all Show. We've got an update on the college baseball playoffs. Super Regionals beginning this weekend. We will walk through that. Also, we'll walk through what's going on this week with the Women's College World Series in Omaha City. Or, uh, Omaha City. Oklahoma City. I got Omaha in mind. And for softball, they got Oklahoma City on their mind yeah, go there. Maybe they can uh, stop by Brahms while they're there in OKC and get them some good ice cream for all the folks attending that. That We have a little bit of information coming up also on golf. Can you believe it? Canada's goofiness in terms of closing the border is South Carolina's gain. There's going to be a, a PGA Tour event this weekend at a course that I had never heard of in a town that I had never heard of in South Carolina. And I should know a lot about that state. And this is a one-time event on the PGA Tour, and it's only because there was supposed to be a an event this week in Canada, and they've still got the border shut down. So the PGA Tour and their infinite wisdom decide, okay, Canada, you want to play that way? We're just going to put a tournament back in South Carolina. So for the third time this year, the PGA Tour winds its way to the Palmetto State They've already had an event at Hilton Head Island, the Heritage. They were on Kiowa Island just a few weeks back for the PGA Championship. Lefty won that one. And now, this weekend, it's the third of three PGA Tour events in the great state of South Carolina. The third tour event in the great low country of the great state of South Carolina. I'll tell you all about this in our sports update today on the y'all show we've got hashtag hullabaloo also this hour and a quick update on some political news someone announces they're wanting to be the next governor of the state of maryland i'll tell you who someone has just announced they want to be the next u.s senator from the great state of alabama i'll tell you who she is and so much more coming in our southern political report it's also election day for some of you listening to us if you're in the states of mississippi and virginia you have a a local elections going on today your municipal election i guess is what it's called in some of the areas we will let you know about that some of the rules you got to follow on this southern political report hour number one hour two today it is a quick look at some of the entertainment goings on 
in the southeast and around the country and man have you heard about this actress who i had honestly never heard of i apologize to her i guess i'm just not up on some of my hollywood type coverage but ellie kemper is an actress she is a native of missouri she actually comes from missouri royalty she comes from a very very distinguished family and now she is apologizing for something she did a long time ago this actress who appeared in the films bridesmaids 21 jump street and sex tape and she even has a book out called my squirrel days and ellie kemper is apologizing for appearing at a ball when she was a teenager and i'll let you know about that and i'll also let you know more about kemper and her family as she has a very very prominent family in the show me state as her granddaddy mildred lane kemper has an art museum named after him in missouri her father was the chairman and ceo of what is today commerce bank shares a bank holding company founded by the kemper family and again she is from the kemper family of which has been very prominent in the country especially in mizzou ellie kemper will give you the update of what's going on with her also in our entertainment stories today how would you like to stay at reba mcintyre's former estate in the nashville area it will only set you back thirty three hundred dollars each night it's an eight bedroom seven bathroom mansion and you can go check it out at vrbo if you like verbo and and see where this house is and and see what it's like if it's the same house I'm thinking, yeah, it's it's on the lake in Lebanon, Tennessee. Reba bought the home in roughly 1990, and this house is really close to, I should know the name, I've actually been to it, not as a youngster, but as an adult. It's really close to the Boy Scout camp of Middle Tennessee, if you're familiar with Boy Scout camps <laughs> across the southeast. Also, Leanne Rhymes and Chrissy Metz teaming up for a Meet Your Makers Showdown series. I'll let you know about that as we go through our entertainment headlines on today's Y'all Show. And then Matt Hermans is going to be on to entertain us all with a barrister, a bodacious barbecue report. And let me write this down because I don't want to forget it. I heard something the other day, and I said, I need to ask him about that the next time. And the word of the day for the barbecue barrister, pellets. Yeah, are we going to go hunting? No, we're going to be hunting for great barbecue and I'm going to ask him about pellets when we get to that spot of the Y'all Show today. Also, Matt Hermans is a college baseball kind of guy. And with the Super Regionals this weekend, we'll get him to walk through what's going on there and his predictions. All that in Hour 2 of today's Y'all Show, plus an update on what's going on at y'all.com. And I just posted at y'all.com an awesome story for the South to be aware of but it's really a story targeted more to the associates, if you will, that we have north of that aforementioned Mason-Dixon line. It's a story for northerners considering moving south. And all I can say is, don't come! We're full! No, it's a really helpful story, and we're very proud. Ainsley Lawrence penned this. I'll tell you a little bit about that and what else is on the pages of y'all.com. And that is going to be our number two today. In hour three, we will keep the fun going as you get ready for your summer vacation. I've got just a good spot, 
I mean, we got a lot of great spots, especially around the coast of the South. But thanks to what's going on in Gulf Shores, Alabama, I have 12 must-do Gulf Shores activities during your summer vacation. And I'll be sharing that. If you haven't been to Gulf Shores, if you haven't been to L.A. lately, that would be Lower Alabama, which reminds me I've got a song, just the right song to play when that segment begins, courtesy of a L.A. girl herself, and that's Langney Wilson, who's tearing up the charts now with a song, What a Man Ought to Know. But yes, Langney's got a song called L.A., and I'm going to play that in honor of Lower Alabama when we get to that section of our third hour and what to do when you're in the Gulf Shores, Alabama area. All that, plus a look at accent on the Southern Arts in our third hour. And if time permits, I'm going to tell you about the word sick. It's not exactly what you might think it is in today's vernacular. All that on talk with a Southern accent. That is what I think we call here in the South a a heaping helping of coverage and good information coming your way on talk with a Southern accent. Uh, Can I get an amen on that one? Yeah, I think I can. All right, let's dive into what's going on here across the Southland to start out today's y'all show. And one thing I will tell you going on in today's y'all show, sadly, is six people have been killed in Kentucky when a car went the wrong way on the interstate outside of Lexington. I think it was was southeast of Lexington on I-75. And now a family of five from Owenton, Kentucky, killed in this wrong way crash in the bluegrass state and just a, a sad statement i've seen the fic, the picture of jamaica caudle the 38 year old from madison county which is lexington kentucky uh, the coroner's office said jamaica caudle was going southbound in the northbound lanes when she collided with a vehicle carrying a family of five caudle was pronounced dead at the scene and then the vehicle struck a another vehicle that included a mother and her four children and you have a nine-year-old killed. You have the 30-year-old mother, Catherine Green, killed. Savannah Green killed, 11 years old. Five-year-old Braden Boxwell killed. And two-year-old Jack Green killed. The driver of the vehicle that struck the three other children taken to the University of Kentucky Hospital where they died of their injuries. But now a total of six people killed. A family of five and then the driver who was going the wrong way killed in this crash in Lexington, Kentucky, over the weekend, this past weekend, and a sad story there. Owenton, Kentucky was where they were from, the family that had so many killed in this real tragedy. It is a shame that every now and then I have to report here on the Y'all Show about people going down the road the wrong way, especially on an interstate. It ought to be pretty obvious that you don't get on the wrong way lanes on an interstate i can see where it'd be a little confusing in city streets around some of the south and especially in our really big cities and also in some of our historic cities where because of historic preservation maybe they've done something a little bit different with streets but it is amazing that this happens every now and again and it usually is a, a really awful result And in this case, six people dying in Kentucky. And if I'm not mistaken, a similar thing happened in Kentucky about a year ago with a wrong way crash that killed a bunch of people. So, and it was also, I think, in the Lexington, Kentucky area. Uh, Just let's let's pray for the families. Just an awful scene. And 
the woman that was killed. It could have been a complete accident. I don't know why Jamaica called the 38-year-old from the Lexington area was going southbound in the northbound lanes when she collided with that family of five, but now all killed on Interstate 75 this past weekend. Just be very careful. I will tell you, I'll take this moment when I talk about how people can really mess up by going the wrong way on interstates. As a guy who kind of goes in and out of the South a lot, it is a good reminder to tell you this isn't necessarily about going the wrong way on streets, but there are certain cities and communities in the Southeast that make a big deal out of pedestrians having the right-of-way. And I think a lot of times in some of our southern cities, pedestrians are second-class citizens. They don't count. <laughs> and so if you're in, if you're from one of those towns and you go to a town where pedestrians are, are really more prominent, there's some towns out there where they've got the crosswalks and pedestrians have the right-of-way. And you got to remind yourself when you go into those towns, hey, I better stop here. This person is walking in front of me, and they're not going to stop. So it's just a helpful reminder that we do have some discrepancies with our towns and cities in terms of pedestrians. Maybe I'll have to go back to 16 years old and the test I took when I got my driver's license. Yes, I have to confess, I actually have a valid driver's license. I don't remember that being on the test or not about pedestrians having the right of way. Of course, I think we spent more time on bicycles, and that's a whole nother story on bicycles and safety there, as we've seen just so many people get killed on bicycles over the years, and we've we've had communities and and uh, and states even pass laws and even create lanes. Federal money goes to help creating bike lanes. You might have seen them over on the side of your of your route that you're taking and i I think they help but boy if, if people aren't paying attention even with a bike lane it can be a nasty result so just be careful out there let's hope for the best as we get through the summer but a, a sad story to have to tell you about six people getting killed on i-75 in kentucky from this past weekend kamala harris in guatemala this week and some people are criticizing the vice president for some comments she made while in Guatemala about how people there should stay and do not go to the U.S. And some people are saying if these same comments made while she's visiting the Northern Triangle area this week were made by the predecessor, the predecessor president, Donald Trump, and or the predecessor vice president, Mike Pence, it would be construed as being racist when she says don't come to the U.S. As we, over the last couple of months since Kamala Harris has been vice president, have seen a surge at the border. But, yeah, it is a little remarkable how that we here in this Biden-Harris presidency can have a comment like that coming in, which she's telling the truth they shouldn't come. It's a dangerous journey to go from Central America all the way through Mexico to the U.S. border. It's a journey that kids are making. It's a journey that single moms are making. It, it's going to only get hotter over these next couple of months. And that's why a lot of these people showed up at the border back in January because of the, the treacherous journey in the summertime months does not, does not bode well for many. Many die along the way. It's a scary journey. And so with Kamala Harris going to Guatemala and the other 
countries she's visiting this week. It is a little remarkable how the media did not go overboard criticizing her, saying don't come as racist. Oh, but I bet you that probably would have been the case if her predecessors at both president and vice president said something along those lines, especially on the ground in Central America. The FBI is offering a reward for somebody who can give you information on talk about a couple of knuckleheads some folks evidently have gone into walmarts in alabama and mississippi and set fires in the national retailer now why would you do that well the fbi wants to know but more importantly the fbi wants to know who did it offering twenty five hundred dollar rewards for tips that help track down and arrest the various people who have set fires at these Walmart stores. One store was in Mobile, and that happened on May 27th when somebody went in there. Firefighters from Mobile had to extinguish fire set both on May 27th and May 28th at different store locations nine miles apart. Mobile Fire Department determined that an accelerant was used when that happened. In Mobile, And then on Friday of last week in Gulfport, Mississippi, guess what? Two more fires set there, and the fire chief of Gulfport said the fire was small and extinguished before firefighters arrived. Witnesses said that a woman set one of the fires using copy paper in one corner of the store. <laughs> and the cameras from Walmart show some of these knuckleheads. Looks like a couple of roughly 30-year-old white folks wearing masks because they're evidently either required to wear masks still in these portions of Gulfport and or Mobile, or they knew what they were up to and they wanted to hide themselves pretty good and they could get away with it with the mask allowing here going on with coronavirus. Help out, if you will. There's a number you can call in Mobile, 251 438 3674 with information again a tip is out there if you can help with the tip you can be rewarded with $2,500 in rewards from the FBI like the FBI doesn't have more important things to be doing than going around finding who's trying to set fires inside Walmart and they're not fires it looks like to tear down and burn the whole place they're just done to create havoc I guess to get the fire department out just just dumb stories. Sorry, we're having to share that with you here on today's Y'all Show. We know now, according to a new report, what are some of the most dog-friendly cities. And you know what? We've got a couple from the South that have made the list of dog-friendly cities. Do you think your city is on the list? Well, according to... A recent report, Zillow, looked at where pet-friendly home features are on the rise to determine who's going to make the list of the top emerging dog-friendly cities in the country. Rover, an online marketplace geared toward pet owners, looked at the number of new dog accounts on their website. And that was part of what went into this survey of, again, the most dog-friendly cities in the country. Number one, it's not a southern city. Denver, Colorado, dog-friendly. Oh, 
The dog lovers of the South are mad at the Mile High City. But fear not, we here in the South fire back at number two with our number two dog-friendly city in the country. It's Orlando, and it's the second-best dog-friendly city in the country. Anaheim in California is number three. Charlotte, North Carolina, the queen city loves its dogs. And it's number four in the country for dog-friendly cities. Number five, oh, firing back at, at number five is the magic city of Birmingham, and it's number five in the country for dog-friendly cities. Number six, the ATL. It's the sixth best dog-friendly country city in the country, according to this article. Seven, Boston. Number eight, Glendale, Arizona. Number nine, the Crescent City of New Orleans. It is the ninth best dog-friendly city in the country. Number 10, Tampa. How about Fayetteville, North Carolina? Comes in at number 11 as the best dog-friendly city in the country fort worth at 12 miami is at 13 oh davidson county you're coming through davidson county you're the dog that's nashville tennessee it is the 14th most dog friendly this is not pet friendly this is purely about canines nashville is your 14th best dog friendly city in the country and 15th is saint pete in florida right there on the gulf coast of florida those again you're top 15 dog-friendly cities according to Rover, this online marketplace geared toward pet owners, and Zillow also factored into the research here on this article that's out this week. How about that, all you dog lovers? Do you agree with that? Is your city not on the list? Are you mad? Don't call me. That's one thing you don't want to do is make a dog owner mad at you, and that's just what I'm reporting here on today's show, a Memphis native and former UNC Charlotte basketball player has died after a car crashed into a home in DeSoto County, Mississippi. Leslie Galen Young was killed when this car crashed off of Horn Lake Drive in South Haven, Mississippi. This happened just before 3 a.m. this past weekend on Saturday. Now, Memphis police are investigating, and Young was located inside the house and pronounced dead. He was staying with family for a few days, according to a friend of the family. As he was getting ready to leave for a new job in Jackson, Mississippi, he was a great basketball player for Hillcrest High School and played for the UNC Charlotte 49ers in Conference USA in the late 1990s. In fact, he was the 1999 CUSA Tournament MVP, and he was killed Galen Young killed when a car crashed into the home that he was, I guess, asleep in early in the morning this past weekend and ended up playing a little pro basketball at some point here too. But Galen Young, I, I saw yesterday, I was driving down the house, driving down the road, and I saw where a car had gone crashing into a house on the street that I travel every day. And luckily nobody was in this abandoned home, but the person got killed in the car when it crashed into that home. And so, yeah, homes, sometimes you people have just unfortunate incidents. In this case, this young man, not so young, I guess he's in around 40 years old now, but killed while sleeping, it looks like, in DeSoto County in Mississippi. Now to North Carolina, some good news. Joshua Kenneth Clausen, C-L-A-U-S-N. Joshua Kenneth Clausen has been found, the 20-year-old 
was found by the Carteret County Sheriff's Office in Havelock, North Carolina. This man had gone missing in the Croatan National Forest for eight nights. He spent eight nights in this coastal forest, not all that far from the Atlantic coast. It's about 135 miles southeast of Raleigh, the state capital. And this Carteret County, this this Croatan National Forest is in Carteret County, in North Carolina, it has about 160,000 acres of saltwater estuaries, swamps, bogs, and guess what lives in the national forest there? Snakes, lots of them. Bears, lots of them. And a lot of other creatures. And this 20-year-old was missing for eight days, and he's now been found. Has been found as he was able to walk out or, and walk out alive. Now, he was there in the forest on May 29th when the family member and he got lost. The family member ended up, I think, being able to get back to the car or something. But this guy, Clawson, ends up being lost in the woods and says that after eight days he found his way out of there by following the sounds of passing vehicles. The search involved more than 200 trained search and rescue professionals and a search had actually been called off looking for this guy after crews became exhausted and conditions worsened. It, it's hot over there in that forest right now. Dense ve- vegetation in the area made it difficult for searchers to move around and see very far. And he was taken, according to some authorities, taken to a hospital in rough condition, but is expected to be okay. And according to this man, Clawson, he said, some days and certainly overnight was cold and chilly, and then the other days it was fairly warm. So anyone being exposed to the elements like that with very little, no shelter, very little in the way of clothing to deal with the cold weather, and then it rained a few times as well, makes it very concerning for anyone to be out in the forest overnight. And this guy, eight days in the wilderness, hard to believe in 2021 in a state like North Carolina, which has got a lot of population, even people living in remote areas, often there's a house somewhere within a mile or so. This guy could go eight days and was looking to be found. It wasn't like he was hiding from the authorities. Luckily, good news, he's been found, and and we wish him the well in his recovery. Well, that will wrap up our Hour 1 headlines here on Talk with a Southern Accent. We've got more headlines as we walk our way through today's Y'all show, hang on. When we come back after this timeout, we're going to give you the latest in sports news from across the Southeast as the show that covers everything Southern takes a little timeout. And we'll be right back with more of y'all. about them LSU Tigers. Go Tigers. Oh yeah, college baseball and Paul Maneri announced just a few days ago that he was going to retire as LSU's head baseball coach. And you know what? 
LSU's got life. They're going to continue playing. They have punched their ticket in college baseball to this weekend's Super Regionals as they went all the way out to Oregon and won that regional. I'm going to tell you more about LSU's comeback and what they've got ahead of them in the Super Regionals. They'll be playing a familiar foe as it'll be SEC versus SEC when Maneri's Bayou Bengal baseball team gets on the diamond. Hello, it is y'all talk with a Southern accent. And it's time now for a Southern sports report here on talk with an accent about the Southeast. And sure enough, it's college baseball's Super Regionals here this weekend. And I'll do my best to tell you the lineup of who's going to be playing each other for a chance to go to Omaha. This weekend, 16 teams all will be suiting up against each other. There will be eight Super Regionals. The winner of each Super Regional, which is a best of three series in each case, the winner of each of the respective regionals move on to Omaha, where they'll be playing for the National Championship of College Baseball. And so, what happened this week? Arkansas on Monday came back, roared back, had a big, I think it was eighth inning rally against the Nebraska Cornhuskers at Baum Stadium and in front of a massive crowd. The Hogs punched their Super Regionals ticket. They will be taking on the Cardiac Pack of NC State. And the Wolfpack out of the ACC had gone and won the Ruston, Louisiana Regional. And so it'll be the Hogs and the Wolfpack in a Super Regional in Fayetteville this weekend. You also have this weekend Texas Tech and Stanford getting together on the diamond for a Super Regional. The Arizona Wildcats and the Mississippi Land Sharks get together. Mississippi where they come back on Monday after they lost a Sunday chance to go on to a Super Regional against their in-state foe, the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. The Sharks with a very good performance on Monday, and they punched their Super Regional ticket to take on the Wildcats. Lots of red and blue this weekend when these two get together down in Tucson. The Vanderbilt Commodores and East Carolina will be getting together on West End. It'll be the Pirates out of the American and the Doors out of the SEC Vanderbilt with a very good sweep of their regional. And East Carolina swept away, swept themselves to a regional berth as well, or, or super regional berth. So a very good lineup of games going on in, in Metro Nashville this weekend between the Doors and the Pirates. Now to that series I was telling you about of SEC teams. It'll be the Tennessee Vols on a rocky top. And, oh, those Bayou Bengals, fresh off of their upset in Oregon, in Eugene, are going to be coming into Knoxville this weekend. And it'll be the Vols and the Purple and Gold Tigers against, again, that big orange UT and Tony Vitello. He's done an amazing job. And Tennessee with a chance to win this Super Regional and go to the College World Series. That hasn't happened in a long time. And so this will all be a great series between these two teams. Dallas Baptist has punched its ticket to the Super Regionals. How about DBU driving just down the freeway over to Fort Worth? And they won the TCU Regional this past weekend. And now they're in the Super Regionals. How about Mississippi State? You got them taking on Notre Dame, and this is going to be taking place in, I think, where is this? I don't know if this is South Bend or in Starkville this weekend, but I think it might be Stark Vegas is where you'll see this 
lineup of games going on between the Dogs and the Irish. Of course, the Irish out of the ACC, MSU, SEC. And then you got to give mad props to Texas, the Longhorns, who did not do very well when they had their conference tournament in Oklahoma City. They swept themselves into a Super Regional with their performance last weekend. And now UT, the other UT, we got two UTs in the Super Regionals this weekend. The one in Austin on the 40 Acres, they will be hosting perhaps the biggest surprise of all of the regional play. The South Florida Bulls will be going to Austin. USF won the Gainesville Regional. Remember, the Gators, the biggest embarrassment. And let me take a moment to tell you a statement that just came in from Greg Sankey, Commissioner of the Southeastern Commerce. And this statement says, On behalf of the Southeastern Conference, I want y'all to know that I sincerely apologize for the poor performance of the Florida Gators when they hosted a regional going 0-2, and they were a complete embarrassment to my conference, the SEC. Well, thank you, Greg. Oh, yeah, he also says, Oh, yeah, by the way, as bad as it was for Florida to go 0-2, how about them Tigers? He's referencing the LSU Tigers with their upset in Oregon. How about, he also writes here, uh, he's got a pretty good penmanship. He also writes, how about them Hogs, the number one team, the Omahogs? And I was watching their game, and you talk about a bold statement in Fayetteville. They have behind their screen there, behind home plate, Omahogs, big letters with the Arkansas baseball logo, the A kind of in the classic script form. They've got that behind the plate. And this is a program, to my knowledge, that has never won a College World Series and should have won just a couple of years ago but dropped the foul ball. And here they have that professionally done on the backdrop there behind home plate. And they nearly lost their series to Nebraska. So I I thought that that they better have come through. And and they did. They won, to their credit. But Greg Sankey wants to brag about Arkansas getting a chance to go to Super Regionals. And he's also bragging about the Sharks out of Oxford and what they were able to do and win that regional at Swayze Field. He also says, anchor down, way to go, Vanderbilt. They got the chance to go to Omaha again and defend their national championship. Yeah, Vanderbilt is your current national champions in college baseball. And then, of course, he says, oh, yeah, go Big Orange with Tennessee and Hale State with Mississippi. He, he didn't really write this letter in case you're wondering. Uh, he wouldn't. He's kind of a boring guy. I don't think he's got it in him to do this kind of a, a statement about his conference. But yeah, he did have some embarrassment there with Florida just falling flat on its face. And I'm thinking that anybody else from the SEC that absolutely well, South Carolina had a regional at their building and they did not get out of the. I guess they won one game, but they could not win that regional at their own ballpark. Although they were not the number one seed. Old Dominion was technically the old, the number one seed there. But college baseball moving on, and that's a quick look. We're going to talk more about college baseball in hour two. Our barbecue and college baseball barrister, Matt Hermans will be on with us, so stick around for that. We have the Women's Softball World Series going on this weekend. Congratulations to both Oklahoma and Florida State out of the South. Both of these programs kind of fell apart in one of their games and then they won the next four games. They, they both lost their first game when they got to play last week in Oklahoma City. 
and then they bounce back with four straight victories to go into the championship round of the Women's College World Series from Oklahoma City, which is going on this week. So great job for this ACC and Big 12 program for getting a chance to play for a natty. Sad news out of the NFL. Hard to believe this guy has died. Jim Fossil dying at just 71 years old. Fossil had lived in Las Vegas, died of a heart attack while under sedation after being taken to a local hospital Monday with chest pains. Fossil coached the New York football giants from 1997 to 2003 and guided the team to three playoff berths. He was named the NFL's coach of the year back in 1997. And a lot of you may remember Fossil was the coach of the giants when they lost in Super Bowl, what, 30, 35. I got to study up on my Roman numerals. Super Bowl 35 in January of 2001, Fossil's G-Men lost to the Ravens 34-7. to After going 12-4 and and winning the NFC East that season, Fossil was 58-53-1 with the New York Giants in his tenure as a college or NFL football coach. He also had been an assistant for a long time with both the Giants and the Broncos, as well as the Cardinals and Ravens. He also coached in the college ranks leading Utah, from 1985 to 1989. Jim Fossil, a former New York Giants football coach, I guess in the era just before Tom Coughlin got to the Meadowlands in New Jersey, dying this week at the age of 71. How about this story from the NFL? The United States Navy will not let cornerback Cameron Kinley delay his commission to play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I thought President Trump had changed the rules that allows graduates of the nation's military academies to be able to go straight and play in the NFL, then later go back and honor their commitment to the U.S. military. I thought that was the rule, but this rookie cornerback, Cameron Kinley, a U.S. Navy alum, our U.S. Naval Academy alum, and is supposed to be playing in the NFL for the Buccaneers, and now being told, no, he's got to go be a sailor as he's been commissioned an ensign and he's not allowed to permit to appeal his decision when that decision was not explained and the management for Kenley is not very happy you can imagine if you are a sports agent and your clients told that they can't suit up and play for a football team in the NFL they got to suit up and wear their combat fatigues and go off and serve the U.S. military now Kenley was a team captain at the Naval Academy. He was also class president and signed an undrafted free agent with contract with the Buccaneers and had participated in the team's rookie minicamp with the U.S. Navy's permission. And now they're trying to play hardball. They're trying to demote him from his NFL opportunity. Now, Kenley is a Memphis native and has written a letter to Senator Marsha Blackburn of the Volunteer State asking for help in approaching the Navy to change its decision. We wish him well. The letter says, I am well aware and embrace the commitment that I have made to serve when I arrived at the Naval Academy, and I'm not asking to set aside that commitment. Instead, I want to represent my company and the Navy as an NFL player, just as other players have been able to do. If allowed to pursue an opportunity in the NFL, I will use that platform to promote service, respect for the armed services, and show young men that they can succeed in the most demanding professions, no matter their 
background. Now, Kenley just graduated from the Naval Academy last week and was presented a gift. He's the one that presented the gift to Kamala Harris at the commencement when she was there in Annapolis for graduation day. So, yeah, and and what I referenced back in 2019, then-Secretary of Defense Mark Esper signed a memo under the direction of former President Trump to open the door for athletes at the nation's service academies. That would be Annapolis, West Point, and the Air Force Academy, Coast Guard Academy, too, if they can make it to the to the league, to give them a chance to delay their active duty military service to play pro sports after they graduate. I wish him the best. Hopefully, Marsha Blackburn, that is, will come through and let him get a chance to play a little NFL football, make a few dollars, and then go off and make some money in the United States Navy where he'll have a great career if he wants to stay in his pretty navy whites out there on the high seas and defend this great country and that is a look at some sports news here on this y'all show when we come back stay with us we will continue the fun as we have on y'all a quick hashtag hullabaloo we'll go into social media and tell you what's going on there and before the hour's up we have a political report coming from the southeast it is y'all we'll be right back All right, we're wrapping up this first hour of Talk with a Southern Accent, and we will go on to social media to talk about the South here. And somebody on social media was tuning in to our Monday Y'all Show. That's when our friend Jerry Short was on. And if you listen to any of that, you might have heard him talking a fair amount on the Monday Y'all Show when he does his Takapola Storyteller Report. He had a lot to say about drinks, specifically knee-high. But we also had Jerry come on, and we spoke a little bit about Dr. Pepper. And it's the reason, Dr. Pepper, that we have the following information coming in on social media from Christian Lemus at L-I-M-A-S underscore E-L. Christian with their profile. By the way, don't be afraid to give up the good to go for the great. That was a quote from John D. Rockefeller. John D. Rockefeller, S-W-O-S-U Engineering. Did you realize John D. Rockefeller, S-W-O-S-U Engineering? What in the world is S-W-O-S-U? That would be Southwestern Oklahoma State University, a public university in Weatherford and Sari, Oklahoma, or Sayre, Oklahoma. It is one of the six regional university systems of Oklahoma members. And John D. Rockefeller, I'm going to double-check this real quick because here on Y'all, we like to try to be accurate and tell you the truth and nothing but the truth. John D. Rockefeller, are you familiar with John D.? You should as he lived from 1839 to 1937, was a business magnet and philanthropist who grew up in both New York and I think moved at one point to live in 
Cleveland, Ohio. And where in the world did he get his – maybe not- he did not go there. Maybe he's got – I'm not sure. He definitely participated in the Civil War, I can tell you that. But, uh, yeah, John D. Rockefeller, SWOSU. Maybe this person doesn't have that down. Seems a little odd that John D. Rockefeller, a magnet, would have a decree from Southwest Oklahoma State University. But that's what this person says. You can go check it out. That's not the reason they're chiming in here today. The reason they're chiming in is they heard our conversation with Jerry Short talking about Dr. Pepper. And did you realize the name, and, and, and this is what Christian Lemus was writing here, as they wrote to us, down south we drink more Dr. Pepper than we do water. Hashtag southern. Uh, I can I can I can believe that. I like me some Dr. Pepper. Some of you like that diet Dr. Pepper. Did you realize the name Dr. Pepper was first used commercially somewhere around the time John D. Rockefeller was out doing his thing, whether it was in Oklahoma or somewhere else? It was introduced commercially in 1885. It was introduced in this country at the 1904 Louisiana Purchase Exposition as a new kind of soda pop made with 23 flavors. Now, its introduction back in 1885, its original introduction, was actually before Coca-Cola. By one year, it preceded Coke's entry into the market by a year. Dr. Pepper was formulated by Brooklyn-born pharmacist Charles Alderton and Morrison's old corner drug store in Waco, Texas. To test his new drink, he first offered it to store owner Wade Morrison, who also found it to his liking. Patrons at Morrison's Soda Fountain soon learned of Alderton's new drink and began ordering what they called at the time a Waco. Alderton gave the formula to Morrison, who named it Dr. Pepper, and ultimately changed it to just Dr. Pepper, no period after the word doctor. But that how that's a little bit of the history of Dr. Pepper and how it got its start in Waco, Texas. And who would have known that Dr. Pepper was a year older than Coca-Cola? How about that? Hmm. How about that? See, we tell you all kinds of fun stuff here on the Y'all Show. You just don't get this kind of information in your early learning growing up. But that's why we're getting you all caught up here. You know what we're going to do? We're going to take a break and catch you up with the world of Southern politics. We have some primaries, some local, not primaries. This is like local election day in some of our Southern states. I'll fill you in on that and some people deciding they want to be senators and people deciding they want to be governors in the Southeast. That information is headed your way after this quick timeout. You're listening to Talk with a Southern Accent.
All right, we're going to close down this first hour of the show all about the South with a Southern political report. And if you live in the Commonwealth of Virginia or you live in the state of Mississippi here, there's a good chance that it is Election Day. As in Mississippi, it is Municipal General Election Day. And we have some guidelines for you coming from the Secretary of State's office in Jackson, Mississippi, if you're wanting to go cast your vote. First of all, the mail-in voting deadline has passed, so you have to have that received to the municipal clerk's offices within five business days of the general election day. So note to self on that one. Polling place location, if you're looking to where you can vote here, again, on the Mississippi Municipal Election Day, contact the municipal clerk's office to verify your polling place. Call the elections hotline if you have questions, 800 829-6786. Now, voters are required to show photo ID at the polls. A voter without an acceptable form of photo identification is entitled to cast what they call affidavit ballot. An affidavit ballot may be counted if the voter provides an acceptable form of photo ID to the municipal clerk's office within five business days after the election. Now, also keep in mind, if you're going to be voting in Mississippi, don't loiter. Polling places should be clear for 30 feet from every entrance of all people except elections officials, voters waiting to vote, or authorized poll watchers. And in terms of COVID-19, voters are encouraged to practice good hygiene and follow CDC guidelines at the polls. No word whether you're supposed to wear a mask or not. My advice on that, if you're voting in the municipal elections of Mississippi and or in Virginia here on this municipal election day, And in Virginia, it's actually a primary day as they're ultimately going to be voting for a governor here pretty soon in the Commonwealth. You might want to have that mask in your pocket. That's my advice to you. Now, let's talk about Republicans and in the U.S. House right now. Two Republicans from Florida may reshape how the party's immigration agenda is handled in this term. As you have Representatives Maria Elvira Salazar and Carlos Jimenez are the lone voices talking about some of this stuff and a party that really has had a hard stance on the border. A story is up at politico.com. You can read it more. Olivia Beavers has pinned this. But yes, with Republicans constantly attacking the Biden administration, the Biden administration over the migrant crossings at the southern border, you've got these two representatives from South Florida. Lonely voices, according to this article, because of the migration influx that's happened after Biden took office. These two are promoting separate frameworks to overhaul the nation's flawed immigration system that could help their party build on the surprising inroads Trump made with Latino voters in the 2020 election. And remember, in South Florida, for sure, Trump did extremely well. He did very well with Latinos. He had numbers rise with the black vote and more. And uh, some of us are sitting there saying, how how could he have lost this election? That's a good question. But yes, these two, if you want to go read the article at Politico, it has more information about these U.S. House Representatives members, Carlos Jimenez and Maria Elvira Salazar, both of Florida. And they're, at least for now, standing out of the pack from the rest of their Republican colleagues on the U.S. House of Representatives side of things. Wes Moore has launched a bid to be Maryland's next governor. He's made a vow to eliminate 
racial wealth disparities. The 42-year-old military veteran and a best-selling author is a former CEO of an anti-poverty organization, and he has now joined the Democratic primary race, releasing a campaign video that shows a lot about his bio and how he wants to close that wealth gap in the state of Maryland, saying, One thing has become clear to me. Opportunity is readily available to some and dangerously absent to others. That coming from this man who seeks to be the head of the state of Maryland. In a recent poll of a nine-candidate Democratic primary field, Moore was in fifth place with just 2% of the vote. Again, this is on the Democratic primary side of Maryland. But this guy with a military background looking to become the next governor of Maryland. And Larry Hogan is the current governor. He's a Republican. I'm not sure if he's up for re-election or not. I should have known that. But right now, it's all about Maryland Democrats. And Wes Moore says, hey, I want to be Governor Moore there in Annapolis real soon. Mo Brooks, the Alabama congressman, has filed a police report over what he calls unlawful serving of a lawsuit against his wife. Now, this comes a lawsuit from Swalwell, the California congressman. And now Mo Brooks following up on a thread he made on Twitter that filing a trespassing complaint with the police over this lawsuit that was served at his Huntsville, Alabama home. A spokesman for the congressman from Alabama said that he filed the police report. A process server for Democratic California Congressman Eric Swalwell named Brooks as a defendant in a lawsuit relating to the siege of the Capitol on January 6th. And this lawsuit or this announcement was delivered not to Brooks, but to his wife, Martha. That, I think, really ticked off Mo Brooks. And Brooks said his wife will seek to have the server arrested once identified. A strange story in the political world of the South here with Mo Brooks in the news, and he's going after his fellow congressman, but certainly a guy on the other side of the aisle. More Alabama political news. Katie Britt has announced that she wants to run for the U.S. Senate seat after Richard Shelby announced that he's not going to be seeking re-election. And Britt, who is from the great area known as Enterprise Alabama, has stepped down as president of the Business Council of Alabama, and she's going to be pursuing this seat that Richard Shelby has. And this primary on the Republican side of which she seeks is now going to be held May 24th, and she's the third candidate to try to get the Republican nominee for U.S. Senate as she joins the aforementioned Mo Brooks of Huntsville and Linda Blanchard of Montgomery, a business owner, trying to become the Republican senator in 2022. And here you have this woman who lives in Montgomery with her husband. They have two children. Her husband, Wesley Britt, was, hey, all you Crimson Tide fans, you might remember him, an all-SEC offensive lineman at Bama, played for the New England Patriots as well, as well. And now his bride wants to be the next U.S. Senator for Alabama. Katie Britt announcing her decision to run for Senate in the state of Alabama. Also, as we wrap up our headlines of political news, Donald Trump and Bill O'Reilly will be starting what's called a conversation tour and they're going to start at the BB&T Center in Sunrise on November 19th. The former president teaming up with the former Fox News host on a series of four conversations in December. The first date is December 11th at the Sunrise Arena. 
and you have to buy a ticket. This is not like one of his typical rallies that he had while president. You'll have to probably pay a lot of money. And frankly, this could be Donald Trump's career going forward. He could make millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars just by going off and charging for these appearances at big arenas. And that's what he's got planned. In addition to the Sunrise event in Florida, he's got a December 12th event that's still to be announced. December 12th, Trump and O'Reilly will be at the Toyota Center in Houston. December 19th at the American Airlines Center in Dallas. Now, back in 2016, no, no, it was 2019 and in 2016, he filled up BB&T Center previously with a big rally. 20,000 and more there to see Trump as he was running and then became president. Now, are you going to see 20,000 people show up as he's a former president? If he's starring alongside Bill O'Reilly, yeah, I do believe that would happen. So that is Donald Trump update. You can see him on the speaking tour soon, but you got to pay for it if you want to see DJT. Well, that will wrap up this first hour of Talk with a Southern Accent. Hang on, hour two. We'll be talking college baseball with our college baseball insider, Matt Hermans. And Matt will also be talking a little barbecue. That's all in hour two, plus an update on the entertainment world to get the second hour going here. And we also have a y'all.com update. All on Talk with a Southern Accent with your host, General John Rawl. Hang on, we'll be right back. Matt Hermans is standing by. He'll be on in the next segment with a barbecue report here as we have kind of worked our way past the 1st of June and the middle of June is in our sights and we've got lots of barbecue and food to discuss with Matt Hermans. That's on the way. Plus, before the hour is up, Mr. Hermans, the barrister, was going to switch over from his barbecue talk to talk a little college baseball. And we've got Super Regionals this weekend. It'll be a lot of fun with our conversation with Matt. And that's headed your way here in the second hour. Also, before hour two is done, we'll take a quick look at what's up at y'all, the homepage of the South. That's Y-A-L-L, y'all.com. Also, check out y'all.com on Facebook. Yeah, we got a Facebook page, and we put stories up there that you can like and share. Please do that. That's all we ask, just to be our friend and literally friend us and share. Friends share, you know, and that's at least what they're supposed to do. And check that out on Facebook. It's the y'all.com Facebook page, and we'll be talking about y'all.com and more. Also, before we're done here today, hour number three, we'll be taking you to Gulf Shores with 12 must-do Gulf Shores Alabama activities during your summer vacation. Hang on for that fun and so much more. Our number, if you want to get involved with y'all, it is 803-816-1170. You can call or text that line anytime you feel like it. You also can reach us via email. The email address for the program is y is mail, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. 
please reach out to us. Share what's going on with your family and friends and your life. We want to know because some of us here in the South are pretty nosy, and I count myself in that category. So drop us an email. We'd love to hear from you at the y'all in email inbox, mail at y'all.com. So come on. Let's hear from you. If you've got a good recipe, we're certainly game. In fact, if you've got a good barbecue recipe or a barbecue recommendation, perhaps you've been to a good place somewhere lately, let us know so we can talk with Matt Hermans about it. Mail, M-A-I-L, at y'all.com. We truly are the most amazing show out there. Why? Because we talk about, unlike every other program on the radio and podcast dial, we talk about an amazing place, the American South. The 16 states of the American South are front and center. Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, Missouri, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia. All right here on y'all. And we're just glad you could take the time to join in on the fun. Let's talk about a lady from the Show Me State, Ellie Kemper. She's in the news. She's now apologizing here as we begin this hour with an entertainment report of the South. Ellie Kemper apologizing for her involvement in a debutante ball as a teen and now has come under recent criticism for that organization's controversial history. Kemper was crowned Queen of Love and Beauty at the Veiled Prophet Ball in 1999, 22 years ago. The organization is based in Missouri and founded, oh my God, oh my gosh, it was founded in 1878 by former Confederate officers. Is that her biggest crime? That in 1998, some 120 years after this thing was founded by Confederate former Confederate officers from Missouri, by the way, uh, not exactly the most Confederate of states, that she's now having the social media justice warriors come after her? Evidently so. And I'm only picking on the fact that something that was founded by Confederate officers is being criticized. Hey, if you go drink a Coca-Cola today, you're drinking something that was created by a former Confederate officer. Did you know that? And there's lots of other things out there that a former Confederate could have done. There's a chance you might be going into a building that was built or designed by a former Confederate officer from 160 years ago. Jeez. But Kemper, she is, I guess, answering back at the social media justice warriors out there as she put a tweet out on Monday of this week saying, Hi, guys. When I was 19 years old, I decided to participate in a debutante ball in my hometown. The century-old organization that hosted the debutante ball had an unquestionably racist, sexist, and elitist past. I was not aware of this history at the time, but ignorance is no excuse. I was old enough to have educated myself before getting involved. I don't think so. In 1999, How in the world, unless you went to the library and spent some time, would you have even known that this thing was started by Confederate officers? And frankly, I don't know about what she calls the sexist and elitist past of this debutante ball that she went to growing up. But yes, she's put this out, and maybe that'll shut up the social media justice wars. Who is Ellie Kemper? That is the question. She is an actress, comedian, and writer. She's been nominated for a Critics' Choice Movie Award, and she's also been nominated for two Primetime Emmy Awards. 
She has played roles on the sitcom The Office, where she played Erin Hannon for a couple of years there. She was on the sitcom Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Then she's also been in a couple of movies, Bridesmaids. She was on in, in the movie 21 Jump Street and Sex Tape. She's also put out a book, My Squirrel Days, from Elizabeth Claire Kemper, born in Kansas City in 1980. She's now 41 years old, Ellie Kemper. She even has a sister who is a pretty successful scriptwriter. Television writer Carrie Kemper is her sister. Now, this the, the, the Kemper girls have had a pretty privileged life. In fact, Ellie, she might be apologizing for attending something racist, but that racist thing she did, she says, back in 1999 helped get her to Princeton. She's a Princeton alumnae. She also is trained in Oxford, not the one in Mississippi. She went to Worcester College in Oxford, England, so she's trained across the pond as well. And she was born to David Woods Kemper, son of one of the wealthiest families in all of Missouri. Her father was the chairman and CEO of what's today called Commerce Bank Shares. She is the granddaughter of, uh, no, she is the great-great-granddaughter of banker, insurance man, and railroad magnate William Thornton Kemper Sr., who was part of the famous Missouri Kemper family, which developed both Commerce Bank shares and United Missouri Bank to become a major banking family in the Midwest. I would say she came from a privileged family. That's probably more a crime to some than the fact that she attended a ball as a 19-year-old a debutante ball. I, I bet you that debutante ball might either already have been shut down or will be shut down because of this controversy, if you will. As Kemper was not only at the Veiled Prophet Ball back in 99, she was the queen of love and beauty. She is a beautiful lady. Redhead, married, she's got two kids, and her husband is a comedian and TV writer, Michael Komen, who was a writer for Late Night with Conan O'Brien for seven years. I bet that's a fun, fun guy to hang around. And Ellie, we wish you the best. I'm sorry that we're having a talk about you here on the y'all show but the missouri native in the news because she's apologizing for being in a debutante ball over 22 years ago she might need to go to nashville to recover from all this and kind of get away and it's going to likely cost her if she's going to take my advice because she might end up going to reba's former nashville estate in lebanon you can stay there for just $3,300 a night. It's an eight-bedroom, seven-bathroom mansion, and it can be rented via VRBO, Verbo. It's where you can go rent the estate at Cherokee Dock, formerly owned by Reba. And for the last few years, Nashville businessman Deron Lichty has had it, and he's purchased the home from Reba and has converted it into this estate at Cherokee Dock. And... It is a lovely place if you have the money to pay for it. Yes, McIntyre, Reba, and her husband at the time, Narvel, lived there back in the 90s until their divorce, I think. She purchased, Reba, that is, purchased the home in 1990. It's a lakefront estate there in Lebanon, Tennessee, on Old Hickory Lake. 
It's an 83-acre property and nearly a 13,000-square-foot home. Lebanon is about 30 miles northeast of downtown Nashville. McIntyre put the property up for sale five years ago at a price of $7.9 million. Pretty place right there in Middle Tennessee. If you've got about $3,300 a night to spend on a mansion, you can spend your money wisely at Reba's Old Place. How about another country music starlet? Leanne Rimes and Chrissy Metz have teamed up for a Meet Your Makers showdown series as Chrissy Metz, the This Is Us star, is working on her first country music album. And now Metz, along with Leanne Rimes, teaming up for this Discovery Plus series, Meet Your Makers Showdown. And that's going to air later this year. The six-episode series will center on some of the nation's best artisans. And these two getting together for a series. Not necessarily to make music. It's artisans of all type. How about that? A judging panel will include Mark Montano and a weekly guest judge with expert advice on the trade. Rhymes announced her involvement with this show on social media, sharing a snapshot of herself with Mets and Montano, saying, It's so wonderful to truly enjoy coming to set every day. Can't wait to tell you more about it soon. A little bit of a variety. And way to go, Leanne Rhymes. She's had some tough times over the last 10, 15 years. And here she is getting back in the spotlight as these artisans on this show will test their ingenious creativity, unique skills, and passion for their craft. Among the categories spotlighted are paper art, fluid painting, stained glass, polymer clay, candle making, and artisanal soap. (laughs) That is a different show, and you can check it out for sure on Discovery Plus. Country music star Leanne Rhymes, Chrissy Metz, and others on an artisan show. You don't read and talk about art all that much in today's world, and I'm excited to see this. And I'm excited to see Leanne Rhymes back on TV and back making headlines. When we come back, we're going to be making headlines with our barbecue barrister. Matt Hermans is set to come on. I'm going to talk to him about the P word, pellets. How does that shape up with his barbecue plans? Plus, we'll talk a little college baseball with the barbecue barrister. That's up next on Talk with a Southern Accent. with a southern accent we like to get our barbecue groove home when this day arrives and matt hermans 
Coach is the guy that we go to. He is our barbecue barrister on this, the show all about the Southeast. Now, we would love to have Matt on staff 24 hours a day with us here. Unfortunately, we can't pay him the kind of money that he deserves, so he has to work another job, sadly, sadly. He actually has another job. I have to confess that here on today's Y'all Show. And because of that, sometimes it's hard to get him. And so we're trying to get him. He's let me know he had to take another phone call. So we're going to kind of get you through here for a minute until he's able to call me right back. And we'll talk a little barbecue talk with Matt Hermans right here on today's Y'all Show. Let me remind you what you're listening to. This is Talk with a Southern Accent, Y'all, with John Rawl. The general of all things Southern, including barbecue talk. And so before we get Matt here with us, let me tell you a little barbecue fun of my own. So we here in the South, we got your pulled pork, we got you chopped. Are you okay with stringy pulled pork barbecue or do you kind of fancy yourself more of a kind of chopped up guy or gal? I will be honest with you i like both of them i do like my chopped up it seems like it's just that extra touch it's that extra care to make that barbecue just so much more easy to digest that's that's my snobby way of saying yeah it is good and here the question we have the the thing about why barbecue is so scientific is it's not just pork barbecue we have to throw in do you want a brisket so that makes you have to have to answer the big question you know what what's it going to be beef or pork okay that's one question you got to answer the second question you got to answer is it going to be with or without a bun i love a barbecue sandwich on a bun but i bet you just like me you probably will be just as happy to eat that thing all meat if if that's the only choice given then you come down to the other big question in some portions of the South that, frankly, I did not experience growing up in my barbecue world, and that's the big question. Where's Romeo? Where art thou? For the question is, coleslaw or no coleslaw when you go in and get your barbecue, your pork barbecue? I don't know if they have coleslaw with brisket or not. I'll have to ask the barbecue barrister here because I know he loves him some coleslaw. So you got all these questions you got to answer and then throw on top of all those things the question about is it going to be chopped up barbecue? I think some places call it diced. And and then you've got the, the option of the pulled pork. And some pulled pork is not made quite like the other pulled pork barbecue. And you got to really work pretty hard at making your sandwich just the way you want it. And that's only on the pork that's only on the sandwich if that's the way you want to go i haven't even got into the fixings that you can choose from i had some barbecue over the weekend i went to a barbecue restaurant and the amount of sides available at this barbecue place were about 15 choices that's awesome don't you love it when you got that kind of choice for just sides that's in addition to the various choices you got to make when the pressure's on and they're staring at you and go, sir, what do you want? Oh, don't put me under the spotlight here. I, I got to really answer this question. Yeah, you do. 
or you can just walk on out the door and go somewhere else where it's not so complicated. But yeah, we here in the South, we've got some tough, tough choices. And it's a, it's a tough choice that frankly, many of us don't mind having to step up and make because the reward is so great. When you have that delicious barbecue sandwich, the way you want it, whether it's got that coleslaw and oh yeah, by the way, coleslaw can be in various forms. I've seen a very mayonnaise white coleslaw on barbecue. I've seen finely chopped coleslaw put on barbecue sandwiches. I've seen more of a, a would it call, be called a loose coleslaw stuck on a barbecue sandwich. That's good too. I do think for the health nuts out there, coleslaw is not exactly the most healthy choice when added to a barbecue sandwich. The sugar level goes through the roof whenever you add coleslaw. But boy, does it taste good, especially if you go to just the right places. And my introduction, just to give you a little background of my barbecue bio, I grew up in a non-coleslaw on barbecue area, or at least I think I did. I, I don't remember having that tough choice, at least of barbecue and coleslaw posed to me as a youngster growing up in the eastern fringe of the south. Not the northern fringe, the eastern fringe of Dixie. Yeah. And so when I moved to the mid-south area of the south, also known as Middle Tennessee, after college, I got introduced to a little place called Witt's Barbecue. And that is a chain based out of Athens, Alabama, I think is where they originated. And I went to Witt's for a couple of reasons. First of all, they were and still are a pretty cheap barbecue alternative. You can buy a Witt's barbecue sandwich and a drink and have coleslaw for 8 to $10. At least that's the way it was 20 years ago. And I even went to one last year. And I love me some Witt's, and I love their tea. They have really good tea. I don't know how Milo's got in the tea-making business ahead of Witt's barbecue. But, yeah, uh, all of you who've had Witt's in both Alabama and Tennessee, I think you can sympathize with what I'm talking about here. But I got introduced to coleslaw on barbecue thanks to Wits. And so that was a real, real eye-opener for me. And do you know what else Wits does that I've not seen too many other barbecue places do when it comes to sandwiches? As if we needed another question that we had to answer here in our discussion of barbecue and its tough questions. They, at Wits put a pickle on your barbecue sandwich and it's awesome really thinly sliced just the right amount of sour and uh that's a great combination the barbecue the barbecue sauce that wits has coupled with a little bit of the mayonnaise and and, and then the pickle or the coleslaw that i say mayonnaise I, I think i think you can get the option of not having it but it that pickle really helps set wits barbecue sandwiches a apart from a lot of other barbecue sandwiches. And so that's just a little bit of my own knowledge and fun that I've enjoyed through the years of barbecue and sandwiches, specifically from the Middle Tennessee option of Witt's Barbecue. And if you have a chance, if you're passing through Middle Tennessee or even into Alabama, give them a ring, 
give them a, a shout. I assume that you can go into a Wits barbecue and actually enjoy a meal. And I think the last time I went to one was right after the pandemic had started and they seemed to be open at the location I was in. But I do know that one time in Shebaville, that's Shebaville, home of the Tennessee Walking Horse Celebration, I had a feast at the Wits Barbecue there in Shelbyville, which is, let's see, Bedford County is the county in Tennessee that that's located in. Lovely spot south of Nashville on the way to Huntsville, Alabama, sort of. Not exactly, but sort of. And, yeah, that that's just a little bit of John's own barbecue story. I'm having a barbecue confessional with you, but – I know you all have your own thoughts on barbecue, and I want to know, I guess we need to put a poll up here at y'all of what is the preferred choice, what is the number one choice, preferred choice of your barbecue taste when it comes to sandwiches at least, and all these great options that we've told you about here on y'all. I told you it was not going to be easy to get through this segment, and we've done our best here, and hopefully you will at least stop by one of these places I mentioned, or maybe Wits has a way to order if you're envious of what I'm talking about and you live a long way away from North Alabama or Middle Tennessee. You can call them up and, and order something. The perfect July 4th present maybe is a, a nice package from them. But I don't even know if they offer that because they really do a good job with their in-person service at their locations. Okay, enough of my infomercial for Wits Barbecue here on today's Y'all Show. I'll tell you what, let's take a break. Maybe throughout the break, Matt will be able to check in with us. If not, we've got Plan B. And it's not Plan B as in Plan Barbecue. It's Plan B as in Baseball. we got to get a little bit more knowledge on the Super Regionals that are upon us this weekend. We'll talk about that and more as Y'all continues. Ooh, I got to get me to a wits right now. Hold on. This is going to be a very long commercial break on y'all. That, the fight song of the South Florida Bulls. And this ain't no bull. USF is in the Super Regionals of College Baseball with a 31-28 and record. USF was likely not even going to get to the postseason when their season wrapped up. They went on to the American Conference Tournament, which was held just to the north of them at – 
Baycare Ballpark in Clearwater, and they won a bunch of games, enough to get the championship. They won, they they beat their rival from Orlando, UCF, in the championship game, and they got the automatic bid from the American into the college baseball postseason. And then, after winning in Clearwater, they just went up the road to Gainesville, and all they did was go on up there and beat teams like South Alabama, and they beat the Florida Gators. And now USF out of the American is regional, super regional bound. Hello, welcome to y'all. It is talk with a Southern accent, and we love to spotlight our USFs of the world here and what they can do on the baseball diamond as it's that special time of year where college baseball has its super regionals this weekend. Then it's on to Omaha the following weekend. And a lot of people start to pay attention to college baseball as it works its way to Omaha. And that's why here on Y'all, we're telling you about the success of teams like the South Florida Bulls. If Matt Hermans is able to join us, he's going to join us. Like I said, he's got this other job, and this job is great for him. And sometimes it, its schedule and our schedule just don't jihaw. But we'll try to get him on if he is able to call in because I know he loves to talk about college baseball and his expertise is so much appreciated here because we need somebody to help us make sense of how a team that was right at 500 could now be finding its way into a super regional and likely if they can win this they'll be competing for a national championship because they'll be one of the eight teams that make their way to omaha next week so south florida is in the super regionals their reward for winning the gainesville regional They'll be going to Austin, Texas to take on the overall number two seed, the Texas Longhorns, with a Super Regional there on the 40 acres in Austin. Other Super Regionals going on this weekend include the Arkansas Razorbacks out of the SEC, the number one overall seed, had an amazing year. Their year continues. And Coach Van Horn's Hogs welcome in from the ACC, Elliott Avent and the NC State Wolfpack. For a big series, lots of red and black on display when these two get together. And this will be a fun weekend at Baum Stadium between the Hogs and the Wolfpack. You've got a Super Regional taking place in Lubbock, it looks like, this weekend. Lubbock is where you'll find Texas Tech and the Stanford Cardinal out of the Pac-12. Pac-12 did not have a conference championship. Stanford comes in representing the conference, and they will be visiting Lubbock to take on the Red Raiders, who continue to be one of the best teams in college baseball, and they try to make their way back to Omaha this weekend. The nation's number seven overall seed is the Mississippi State Bulldogs. They have Notre Dame coming in. Notre Dame was able to win the regional that they were in, that they hosted. A lot of people thought that Notre Dame didn't deserve to have the kind of success there by hosting a regional. They're the number 10 overall seed. The Irish and Chris Lamonis' Bulldogs going to be a great weekend of college baseball between an ACC team in Notre Dame and an SEC team in the Hale State Bullies. In the desert, you got to go to this one. It's going to be terrific times in Tucson. The Arizona Wildcats, they survived their regional. They were able to beat teams like Oklahoma State, UCSB, and Grand Canyon to win that regional, and the Wildcats. And 
the Mississippi Land Sharks with a series, a super regional in the desert of Tucson. As Mississippi was able to just get past SEMO, they were able to defeat Florida State. Then they were able to knock off Southern Miss after Southern Miss got the best of them on Sunday. The Diamond Sharks with the victory Monday, and they advanced to the Super Regionals as they try to get back to Omaha for just the second time in the last 50 years. And so it's going to be a tough challenge for Coach Bianco and the Sharks to beat the Cats in their own cat playground in Tucson. How about Dallas Baptist? They're back in the regionals, Super Regionals. They are a great ball club. They went over to Fort Worth. And they won the Fort Worth Regional, hosted by the Metroplexes on TCU Horn Frogs. Really embarrassed TCU. And DBU is super regional bound. Then, how about what's going on in the Volunteer State? Vanderbilt survives against Presbyterian. Vanderbilt survives against Georgia Tech. Vanderbilt's reward, a home series to go to Omaha versus the Americans' East Carolina Pirates. I believe it's Cliff Godwin is the coach of ECU, and his team continues to be very good. They were in the Super Regionals against South Carolina, I think, a couple of years ago, and now ECU going to Nashville with a Super Regional date against Vandy this weekend. And as I said, the Volunteer State shining brightly, not just because of Vanderbilt, But the Tennessee Vols, what a season Coach Tony Vitello has had. And Rocky Top is the site for this weekend's Super Regional between the Vols and the LSU Tigers. Paul Maneri, in his final season as a college baseball coach leading LSU, announcing his retirement about a week ago, Maneri now going to be back in a Super Regional. And the Bayou Bengals and the Tennessee Vols. It's purple and gold versus big orange from Lindsey Nelson Stadium in Knoxville this weekend. SEC v. SEC for a super regional there. So when you count it all up, several SEC teams, a couple of American teams, East Carolina, as well as USF making it, several ACC teams in the mix here, and of course, the Big 12, represented by Texas Tech. And then you got DBU. And sadly, I don't even know what conference they're in. They're, they could be in the Southland Conference. But uh, I know they're not in the Power Conference. The Patriots, way to go. Great job there. And a nice collection of teams in the College World Series set to take place the week after and, and it's going to be a fun time in Omaha. Usually it's the Saturday, so it would be Saturday the 26th maybe that the College World Series gets underway in Omaha. And ESPN will have that covered big time as we work our way toward July 4th with College Baseball Super Regionals. Congratulations to all of these 16 teams. Congratulations to the teams that just made it into the postseason. It was not the easiest of years, just like it hasn't been in all of sports this last year. Remember, college baseball's season got shut down in 2020. There was no postseason. And so these teams back up and going this year. And let's hope that they can 
do well and work their way to uh, Omaha appearance, if at all possible. And we'll see what happens going forward with college baseball. But love the sport. And here at y'all, we don't mind giving it its proper credit. Looks like we will not have Matt Herman's on this week. As I said, he's a working fella. We'll try to get him on next week here on Talk with a Southern Accent. So thank you for holding on and hoping that he was going to come on. But sometimes things, as the old saying, they just don't go quite like you think they might. And that's what happened here this week with barbecue barrister and college baseball barrister Matt Hermans. We do have plenty more of y'all coming your way, so hang on. After the break, we've got a look at what's going on with the y'all.com website. We've got some awesome stuff there. We'll tell you all about it. See you've married good And to know that he can give you All the things I never could But you know that he won't give me What I need most of all Well, the door is always open Boom, boom, boom. All right, some good country music coming from Dave and Sugar here on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. And our door is always open here at the Y'all Show. And our door is certainly open at y'all.com. It is the South's homepage. Y-A-L-L.com. You can just remember that by put up four fingers real quick. Four fingers. How many websites are out there with just four characters? And that's what we are. Y-A-L-L. And then you can use your thumb to say .com. <laughs> Y'all.com, the South homepage. And here on this segment of the Y'all Show, let me tell you about what's up right now at the Y'all.com website. We've got John Allen and Jimmy the Duke. With Tricks of the Trade, you can watch their great home improvement show. And if you go there this week, you can learn all about vent hoods, foundations, and sure enough, a lot of you take off to the beach this time of year. John Allen's got some great reminders of what you need to do around the house before you take off because you don't want to have to be calling back home to people like John Allen and have them do repairs while you're sitting there getting a suntan. Yeah, John Allen and Tricks of the Trade. You can watch the most recent episode, and we've done dozens and dozens and dozens of Tricks of the Trade at y'all.com, and you can go there right now and watch the most recent episode and then binge watch all the other great episodes, and it's right there. You can watch that at y'all.com. You can also see portions of this show at y'all.com, including our conversation this week with our Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short, he was on earlier in the week. And Jerry and I, you can watch us in the interview from this week. Talk about purple cows. If you don't know what that is, it will get you thirsty and hungry. 
Check that out and learn all about Knee High and Coca-Cola and Dr. Pepper and also PPP Loan Fraud. If you don't know what PPP loans are, that happened starting in 2020 with businesses getting help from the Small Business Association and they got these payback protection program loans. Well, these PPP loans are wonderful if they work properly, but there's some people out there who are abusing and have abused the system. And Jerry talks a little bit about that and how you can actually go online and search in your own community who all received PPP loans. And some of these people who got money, and it might be you, you have to sit there and wonder how in the world did that business truthfully get what they got there from the Small Business Administration and the thousands and thousands and sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars the government gave them over the last year. We'll talk about that. You can go watch that again at y'all.com. Plus, brand new, and yours truly just published this on the site minutes ago. This is not for you if you're from here. If you're one of us, this article may not mean a whole lot. But if you ain't one of us, We've got a great article. Ainsley Lawrence has penned this article, Planning on Moving to the South. Here's what you need to know. And she talks about location. She talks about how the homes here are just so darn beautiful and all the good stuff. But she also brings out potential dangers if you're looking, for example, an old home that you want to purchase. Look out for clay pipes, lead paint, non-grounded outlets, and galvanized plumbing. If you're wanting to go old school, get something here in the south that's a little older also a lot of people wanting to move to the coastal portion she talks about that a lot another thing that has nothing to do with the homes of the south but we have a lots of tradition here in the southeast and so she talks about how in the south there's some great traditions from having a mint julep at the kentucky derby to eating black-eyed peas collard greens too on new year's day plus the great football passion the southeast has if you're a yankee a Yankee American. You're going to want to read this, and it's going to make you, if you haven't already packed up and moved south, it'll make you do it. Planning on moving to the south? Here's what you need to know. Ainsley Lawrence has this up at y'all.com. And we got so much more. It really is just me doing a disservice to all y'all by teasing you of what's up there at y'all. You're just going to have to spend a couple of days, if not weeks and months, searching the website and finding articles that you can enjoy and share with others. And you know what? It's absolutely free to go visit y'all.com. Just like it, subscribe, share, put it on. When you see a great article, put it up on Facebook and social media so that the whole world knows all about y'all. And also there at y'all prominently featured is the podcast of the y'all show. We got another hour of y'all coming up right after this. Stay with us. Continuing on with Talk with a Southern Accent, we have two hours in the books, and we got one last hour here. And you know what? If you like what you heard the first two hours, I bet you you're probably going to really enjoy this last hour. We try to give you three hours daily of brilliant conversation about the southeast of the United States. I think we do a pretty good job with it, and if we do... 
thank you. And if we don't, we want to know why. We want to know how to improve. We're not two big of boys and girls here. We want to be your show. We want to be your southern connection, if you will. And so that's how we do it. And if we ain't doing it good enough, well, let us know. 803-816-1170 is how you can let us know. It's y'all. Talk with a southern accent. And it's the way you do that is with that number I just said. You can call or text at 247-803-816-1170. My name is John Rawl. I am General John Rawl, CSA Certified Southern American. And to my fellow CSAs out there, hope your day is going great. You got big plans. You're going to have a great weekend, and things are just going to be so great for you. And I'm glad that I could be part of the fun here with you here. And let me tell you what we got coming up here in this final hour of you all. (laughs) You all, a.k.a. y'all, here in this hour three voyage, we've got a look at sports. I'm going to tell you about some horrible news if you're an Auburn Tiger fan, horrible news if you're a Tennessee Volunteer fan, even worse news if you're an LSU fan. It's not even good news if you're a fan of the Mercer Bears. I'll tell you about that in just a second as part of our sports coverage to start out this third hour. We also tell you about the athletic director at Marshall University in Huntington, West Virginia, stepping down. I'll explain in our headlines from across the southeast. Also from the NFL, the passage of Jim Fossil, who coached the New York Giants to a Super Bowl in 2001, the year that he coached that game against the Ravens. He's passed away at the age of 71. More information about that. Also, the Women's College World Series taking place. I'll tell you the two teams from the south teaming up in that and before the sports report ends today i'll tell you about the palmetto championship of the pga tour that is taking place this weekend and it is taking place in ridgeland south carolina at congaree golf club i'll tell you all about it and i'll share my palmetto state knowledge of how ridgeland and Congaree, at least the river, aren't exactly side by side. I don't know how in the world they came up with this golf club's name. But this weekend at the Palmetto Championship at Congaree, it will be the PGA Tour stop before the PGA Tour heads off to Torrey Pines for the U.S. Open next weekend. And Ridgeland SC, right on I-95, gets to host this PGA Tour stop because Canada couldn't host it because they got a ban and you can't go across the border. And so the PGA Tour scrambled and found this place to have a tournament. And for one time and one time only, they're in Jasper County, South Carolina. They've got a PGA Tour stop. And that's not far from Hilton Head. So how about that? Hilton Head and Ridgeland getting two PGA Tour events in the span of about three months. Not bad. And then, oh, don't forget, you had the PGA Championship two counties away. And I know my South Carolina coastline, it was two counties away from 
Beaufort, where they just had the PGA Championship. That was held in Charleston County at at Kiowa Island. And the reason it's two counties away is there's a little tiny slice of Colleton County, and that is the home of Walterboro, South Carolina. But that little tiny slice that heads on to the ocean is where you find Edisto Island. And so Edisto Island is sandwiched between Charleston County and Kiowa, and then you got Beaufort slash Hilton Head, both in Beaufort County. And this tournament this weekend is actually in Jasper County, which is just a little tiny slice south of Beaufort. I mean, when I talk about tiny, I'm talking about it's about the size of a golf course Jasper County has sandwiching between sandwiched between Beaufort and Savannah, Georgia, right there, Effingham County, Georgia, right on the Savannah River. All right, enough of geography here with you. On today's y'all show, y'all probably don't want to hear me talk about maps and stuff, but I do like my maps. I, I, that is one of my crazy hobbies that I enjoy doing, and I bet you a lot of you out there like your map reading skills too. Call me a good old y'all cartographer, if you will. So we got our look at sports here, and speaking of maps, I don't mind continuing the map talk here in this third hour because I'm going to pull the map out and tell you how to get to Gulf Shores, Alabama, We're going to go there, thanks to the local tourism office, and tell you about 12 must-do Gulf Shores activities during your summer vacation. Yeah, you can go check out places on the Atlantic coast, like your Brunswick, Sea Island, Georgia, your Florida beaches, North Carolina. Love to go to Wilmington this time of year. South Carolina's a good option on the Atlantic. But if you have to lower yourself and go to the Gulf Coast this summer. And I'm kidding on that lowering. A lot of you, honestly, from the Gulf have never been to the Atlantic, and vice versa. I like to go both places. And if you want to go check out a fun place, it's Gulf Shores, Alabama, and we'll tell you about some of the must-do things in Gulf Shores for summer 2021. That's coming up. Plus, we've got Kobe Bennett filing a southern accent on the arts. And if time permits... I'm going to have a sick time to wrap this third hour of y'all up. Now, that is a full hour. Why not delay? Why not get right into it? And let's do that. Talking a little sports here on today's y'all show. And as mentioned, Jim Fossil, who coached the New York football giants in the late 90s into 2000s, he has died at the age of 71, dying in Las Vegas of a heart attack while under sedation after being taken to a hospital earlier this week with chest pains. And his son, John, has released the information about his father passing away at the age of 71. Jim Fossil was coach of the Giants from 1997 to 2003 and guided the team to three playoff berths. He was named the NFL's Coach of the Year back in 1997. His Giants lost to the Ravens 34-7 in Super Bowl 35 in January of 2001. And that Super Bowl appearance followed a 12-4 regular season. And then they won the NFC East also that year. The time that he was with the Giants, Fossil coached them to a 58-53-1 overall record with the G-Men. He also was an assistant with the Giants, also assistant roles with the Denver Broncos, Arizona Cardinals, and the Baltimore Ravens. He also had been a college coach at one time, leading Utah from 1985 
1989. Jim Fossil passing away this week at the age of 71. The United States Navy has a new ensign, Ensign Cameron Kinley, a native of Memphis, Tennessee. And now he's asking his Congress, or rather, actually, it's a senator from the volunteer state, Marsha Blackburn, to help him out because the Navy is not letting him proceed to the NFL's Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I guess the Navy is against Buccaneers. I guess throughout history, uniform members of our military have gone up against pirates on the high seas, and so they're against Buccaneers. Well, they're against this Buccaneer as Tampa recently brought him into a rookie minicamp and signed him as an undrafted free agent. And this former class president at the United States Naval Academy in Annapolis, a guy who had just given a gift the other day to Kamala Harris when she was the graduation speaker in Annapolis. He's being told by the Navy, nope, you're going to have to put a little halt on your NFL plans and you're going to have to serve Uncle Sam. So Kenley, the Memphian writing a letter to Marsha Blackburn asking for her help to help the Navy change its decision to keep him from playing in the NFL for right now. As he wrote to the senator, I am well aware and embrace the commitment that I made to serve when I arrived at the Naval Academy and I'm not asking to set aside that commitment. Instead, I want to represent my company and the Navy as an NFL player just as others have been able to do. If allowed to pursue an opportunity in the NFL, I will use that platform to promote service, respect for the armed services, and show young men that they can succeed in the most demanding professions, no matter their background. And we'll find out if Kenley, if his letter is read by Marsha Blackburn, and if she does something about it, which something tells me she will. She seems to be a real go-getter there in Washington, D.C., and throughout the volunteer state as well. And this story, a little surprising to me because it was in 2019 that President Donald Trump's then Secretary of Defense, Mark Esper, actually signed a memo under the president's direction to open the door for athletes at America's service academies to be able to delay their active duty military service to play professional sports after they graduate. And Cameron Kinley has just graduated. He's been invited to a rookie minicamp and... He's now being told by the Navy, hold that thought, sir. Hold that thought, as they say in the Navy, mister. You're going to have to come serve Uncle Sam as an ensign. And then maybe one day as an admiral. (laughs) But you can't be a buccaneer, Cameron Kinley. Great job there, as I said. A southern fella, a native of Memphis, and a guy who's just done so much there as a football player as well as a cadet or midshipman i guess they don't call them cadets at west point or at, at, at annapolis a midi slash student slash athlete with a wonderful career there and class president at annapolis class of 2021 wishing him well when and if he ever gets a chance to play in the nfl i know he'll do well and if he's serving our nation's military as a naval officer, Cameron Kinley, we wish you all the best doing that endeavor. Women's College World Series taking place right now in Omaha, and you've got – I've done it again. I'm not the first person to do this. 
taking place this week in Oklahoma City. That's the capital of women's college softball, not Omaha. Sorry, 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 ladies. This week, it's Florida State and Oklahoma. Both of these teams lost in their first game of the Women's College World Series, and both teams ended up winning four straight. Florida State knocking off Alabama. Oklahoma knocking off James Madison, which had really surprised a lot of people when JMU defeated OU in that first game on Thursday of last week. And now these two teams, one from the Big 12, one from the ACC, getting together for a chance to win a national championship in women's college softball. Wish them well from Oklahoma City. Now let's talk a little Crimson Tide news, if you don't mind. And I warned you, I warned you, if you're an Auburn Tiger fan, you are probably going to get really nauseous at this news. If you're a Tennessee Volunteer fan, if you love that big orange, you might want to step away for a minute. This is going to be pretty rough on you. If you are a fan of any other team in the SEC, it's going to be tough. This is almost unbearable for me to have to tell you what I'm about to tell you here on the Y'all Show. So at least to help you get a little bit more at ease so it won't be too much of a shock. I'm going to play a little bit of the Alabama fight song, if you don't mind. At least this will get you in the mood to be disappointed, okay? Here's the Million Dollar Band. Yeah. Roll Tad. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's that's good. Hold it there, Million Dollar Band. Here is the news that it's even worse than hearing the Alabama fight song on today's Y'all Show. And that news is the University of Alabama has extended Nick Saban's contract through the year 2028. Mm. Just when you thought he was heading out the door with another national championship, Nick Saban, the greatest coach in college football, is going to stick around with a contract extension. The new agreement will extend his current contract by three seasons now to eight years. He's set to make $8.425 million this coming season, and his new deal will include annual increases in salary that would make his average annual salary more than $10 million over the life of the contract. As part of the new deal, Nick Saban will receive a contract completion benefit of $800,000 payable at the end of 2022, 2023, 24, and the 2025 contract years. Nick Saban is entering his 15th season at the capstone. He has won three of the past six national titles. He also won a national title at LSU in 2003. His total of seven national titles is the most in college football history. Nick Saban going to stay as Alabama's head football coach for at least a few years. And if he makes it all the way through this contract, will be on board until 2028 of the Crimson Tide. Mm-mm-mm. In a statement, Nick Saban said he and wife Terry are pleased and happy to sign another contract extension that keeps him in T-Town through the end of his career. 
Saban adding, our family calls Tuscaloosa and the state of Alabama home. It's a place where our roots now run deep, I would say so. This agreement gives us the chance to continue to impact the lives of the young men and their families who choose to play football and get an education at Alabama. Nick Saban turns 70 in October, and he told ESPN last season that retirement has yet to even cross his mind and that he plans to coach as long as he's physically able and making a positive impact on the players and the program. As he told ESPN last year, a classic Nick Saban quote, I don't know what the hell I would do if I wasn't coaching. I don't even want to imagine it. (laughs) Well, you don't have to, coach. And even if he goes 0-12 this year, I think he's still going to be employed at Alabama with his seven national championships, six at UA, one at LSU. And he is just amazing. The guy is amazing. And here one time he was coaching Michigan State, and then he finds his way south, and the magic happens. A native West Virginian, by the way, so we claim him as a Southerner. And, of course, Alabama's going to claim him as a Southerner anyway with the success that he's had. Let me tell you about another team, or two other teams, that also are fearing the fact that Nick Saban's coming back. That would be the Miami Hurricanes. That is Alabama's first opponent when the 2021 season begins. Alabama and Miami getting together on September 4th from the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta for the Chick-fil-A kickoff on ABC on that mid-afternoon of that first football Saturday in September. And then the home opener for the Crimson Tide will be against the Southern Conference's Mercer Bears. Mercer riding over from Macon, and they will be the home opener on September 11th with a mid-afternoon game from T-Town and Bryant-Denny Stadium. Alabama's 2021 schedule also includes a road trip to the Swamp. That'll be September 18th in the SEC opener for Saban. Southern Miss to the top. The Golden Eagles, who have knocked off the Crimson Tide throughout history. Southern Miss comes over for a game September 25th at BDS. Mississippi is back in T-Town looking for the upset, and Lane Kiffin's boys will be the October 2nd opponent at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Then it's off to Texas for Saban's ball club. They'll be taking on Texas A&M October 9th, and they'll stay on the road October 16th, just down the road from Tuscaloosa. They'll be in Starkville to take on Mississippi State on October 16th. Then it's the third Saturday in October rivalry with Tennessee on October 23rd. LSU comes to T-Town, and that will be November 6th. The Aggies of New Mexico State coming to Tuscaloosa on November 13th. And then it's the double-A end of the schedule. It's Arkansas, November 20th in Tuscaloosa, and the regular season winds down for Alabama November 27th when they have the Iron Bowl matchup at Jordan-Hare Stadium November 27th and a game against the Auburn Tigers. And that's your 2021 Alabama football schedule, some 85 days, give or take, away from kicking off against the Miami Hurricanes on September 4th. Can you can you feel it? Can can you can you get ready for college football? You better get ready. In fact, we're only about a month away from the SEC Media Days taking place in back in Hoover this year, away from Atlanta, back in Hoover, Alabama. Cannot wait for that.
Let's give you some Conference USA news. Marshall Athletic Director Mike Hamrick is stepping down at the end of this month to take on a new role at the university there in Huntington, West Virginia. He will become special assistant to university president Jerome Gilbert for just one year. Hamrick was hired back in 2009 and became the second longest serving AD at Marshall. He will now focus on fundraising for the Thundering Herd and planning for the university's previously announced baseball stadium project. Marshall's men's soccer team just won the NCAA championship last month. You know, I don't think I mentioned that here on today's y'all show. I don't think I mentioned it last month either. The Thundering Herd winning the men's soccer championship. And I'm thinking they played Virginia for that or possibly North Carolina. I'm pretty sure they played an ACC team. It doesn't matter. They won it. The Thundering Herd and Conference USA, your national champions of men's soccer. How about that? Perhaps the first national championship at the Division I level that they've had. Now, of course, I know they won some national championship at the FCS level, 1AA football, back in the 80s and 90s when they were members of the Southern Conference one of the best conferences in all of sports, frankly. But yes, now a change in athletic directors at Marshall, Huntington, West Virginia. Let's talk a little golf for a minute. This weekend, it's the Palmetto Championship at Congaree, and that's at the Congaree Golf Club, Ridgeland, South Carolina. This is a tournament being held on the eve of the U.S. Open, and that's going to be next week at Torrey Pines, where Bryson DeChambeau is your defending Open champion. But this weekend, it's the precursor. And this Palmetto Championship at Congaree, get this, is going to be a one and only event as it replaces on the PGA Tour schedule the RBC Canadian Open, the one tournament held across the border in Canada each year. A lot of the great players go there from the Dustin Johnsons to more because, frankly, RBC is one of their big sponsors. So they go to Canada and help out their sponsor by being member or being a participant in the RBC Canadian Open. But A, what's going on? A, this year the border is closed. And so when they found that out, the PGA Tour, they said, what are we going to do about this? And they decided, you know what we're going to do about this? We're going to have our own championship in Ridgeland, South Carolina. And it's technically in Gillisonville, if you want to go check out where that is on the map. And this weekend, at the Congaree Golf Club, they're going to have a major PGA Tour. Uh, not a major major, as in like a big-time major, but it's going to be a big golf deal going on. A PGA Tour stop at this golf club in Jasper County, South Carolina, just to the north of Savannah, Georgia. And I'm excited about it. I did not realize. I, I thought I'd heard somewhere someone talk about it because a question was asked of Dustin Johnson. Was he going to participate in this thing? And I think he is scheduled to play. And this was when Dustin Johnson was actually good <laughs> a couple of months ago. He, something's going on with him. He, he ain't quite right. But the native South Carolinian is, I think, going to be in this Palmetto Championship at Congaroo Golf Club this weekend. It's going to be a stroke play event on this 7,600-yard golf course in the low country of South Carolina. A golf course that I'm not that familiar with. Congaree Golf 
course is a private course, and it's just outside of Ridgeland, which is just off of I-95. I've spent a week in Ridgeland at a hotel there. Not a very good hotel, frankly. I should have been staying at the Congaree Golf Club now that I think about it. But this is actually located on a historic 18th century estate and surrounded by over 2,000 acres of lakes and longleaf pine forest in the Lowcountry. Tom Fazio is the architect of this golf course. Congaree was named Golf Digest Best New Private Course for 2018. So it's, no wonder I haven't heard of it. It's only a couple years old. And it will debut at number 39 in Golf Digest, America's 100 Greatest Golf Courses, this year. And when the RBC Canadian Open got canceled due to logistical challenges because of the border being shut down between the two countries due to the, to the, to the coronavirus, Congaree was then selected to host that tour stop, the Canadian Open, as this week's PGA Tour event. And it's going on this weekend on what was an old plantation where John Hobard received a grant for 100 acres from a guy named King George III way back in the 1770s. And now this place ends up becoming the home of a PGA Tour stop. And in addition to the connection to King George III from the 18th century, how about this one? The original Greek revival home on this property was burned by an order from William Tecumseh Sherman in 1865 when his troops passed through that area. They burnt the place down, and now it's rising from the ashes to come back strong as a PGA Tour stop. And one more celebrity connection here. In 1995, the historic house on the property was the primary filming location for the movie Something to Talk About, starring Julia Roberts. Did you know that? Then it was filmed right there at Congaree Golf Club in Jasper County, South Carolina. This week's tour stop of the PGA Tour. See, even with golf, there's always a celebrity connection, whether it's good old King George III or William Tecumseh Sherman, that son of a... (laughs) Or Julia Roberts. We got it all covered right here on the Y'all Show. When we come back on Y'all, we're going to take you to Gulf Shores, Alabama. And if you haven't been there lately, you ought to go. Make your plans right now. In fact, if you go there right now, I've got right here in my hand, I'm going to break out the big list of things you can do on a Gulf Shores, Alabama getaway. 12 exciting things. It's coming up here as we continue on with the fun of talking about the South and so much more. This is The Y'all Show. Thank you so much for being a part of it. In the evening in the evening Mama when the sun go down In the evening baby Mama when the sun go down Ain't it lonesome, ain't it lonesome darling 
when your lover's not around, when the sun go down. Last night I laid asleep in I was thinking to myself Last night I laid asleep in I was thinking to myself We're back on y'all talking about everything in the South. Glad you could be a part of our show. And again, our way to get in touch with us here is so easy. We are available to you 24 hours, seven days a week. It is 803-816-1170. That is how you can get in touch with the show that covers everything Southern. And I'm John Rawl doing my best part here to let you know what's going on across the Southeast here as we get you ready for, oh, so much excitement as June is just rolling along. Oh, man, we're having a good time. and We hope that you've got great plans and so much more excitement. Maybe you'll get a chance to see family and friends and loved ones. Might even see a few enemies out there if you're lucky. All right here on the show that covers the South. We are so glad that you are taking the time to join us here. And here on the Y'all Show, we love to have you join us. And we like to share what's going on across the Southeast and Let me tell you about a little special place in the South that many of you throughout time have gone to. And if you haven't gone there lately, let me tell you about Gulf Shores, Alabama. This special spot on the Alabama Gulf Coast has been entertaining generations and generations of people for a very long time. And let me tell you about 12 of the best things to do while on a Gulf Shores getaway. If you are looking for something to do, Gulf Shores, Alabama has a great variety of choices. This is on the eastern shore of Mobile Bay, Fairhope, Foley, all those areas. But south of there on the Gulf Gulf Coast, you got Gulf Shores. And so let me tell you about things to do while in Gulf Shores, Alabama. You can go visit the free Gulf State Park. It is the number one thing for people to do while visiting the area. They've got gardens there, recreation, swimming pools. You know, it's one thing to go to the Gulf and and get out there in the ocean, but if you want to have the swimming pool experience, you can do that at Gulf State Park in Gulf Shores, Alabama. They even have 15 miles of what's called the Hugh S. Branion Backcountry Trail available for you if you want to get away from the beach and go hiking one day while at the beach. Check that out. It's a great option in Gulf Shores. Also, you have the free Gulf Shores Public Beach available. So you don't necessarily have to have a big condo with a private beach. No, there at Gulf Shores, you got a great public beach available. And enjoy that white sand and that beautiful turquoise wave as it comes crashing upon your beach chair and and just feels oh so good. Am I making you envious? I should be. That's the point of getting you in the mood for a, a Gulf Shores getaway. The Wharf is also a free experience. It's got entertainment, nightlife, and more. It's actually in Orange Beach, just to the east of Gulf Shores. But the Wharf is a great option while on a Gulf Shores getaway. Got a movie theater, mini golf, a Ferris wheel, and more at the Wharf 
in the Gulf Shores area. Also, you can check out a dolphin tour while you're in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Go out and see the beautiful animals, the bottlenose dolphins of lower Alabama. And that is all right there in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Also, you can go biking. Take your bike, rent a bike. It's all right there. Gulf Shores getaway, a great option while on vacation here in summer of 2021. How about the Bon Secure National Wildlife Refuge? That's in the Gulf Shores area. And it is from the French phrase meaning safe harbor, Bon Secure. Bon voyage to Bon Secure. This wildlife refuge, a national wildlife refuge, has amazing wildlife, songbirds there, and also great sea turtles available. And even the famous, have you ever heard of the Alabama beach mouse? I don't normally like mice, but they got the Alabama beach mouse at Bon Secure National Wildlife Refuge in Gulf Shores. Check this out. you got to drive a little bit. It's technically right by a mobile, but there in a Gulf Shores getaway, you can go visit the USS Alabama right there on Mobile Bay. This battleship fought in World War II from 1943 to 45, fighting in the Pacific Theater, a 680-foot-tall ship right there at Mobile Bay at the USS Alabama, where they also have a submarine from World War II, the USS Drum, on display. Great place. Been able to go by there, and it is a towering figure nestled right beside Interstate 10, the USS Alabama. Also, how would you like to see a panther, a black panther in life, in real life? The Alabama Gulf Coast Zoo is in the Gulf Shores area. And, yeah, you can go by and see all kinds of creatures. More than 600 animals are at the Alabama Gulf Coast Zoo in lower Alabama. How about Waterville, USA? If you're looking for a little break from the beach, this park, which has 20 acres, has both water and theme park rides, water and theme park rides. And you can go down a lazy river if you'd like. A very family-friendly area is Gulf Shores, Alabama. How about Fort Morgan? That's a very historic place near Gulf Shores, kind of out there across from Dolphin Island. If you can get the ferry and go back and forth between the two, Fort Morgan is a great choice. You've got Alligator Alley in the area, the track. And don't forget about OWA. OWA is in the area as well, which is technically Foley or Fairhope, but it is a good family option too if you're heading to Gulf Shores this summer. A wonderful place. You can go to the Gulf Shores Tourism website and learn more about how this lovely spot on the Alabama Gulf, Gulf Coast is awaiting your arrival. And as I said, bring the whole family because everything I just mentioned is family friendly, kid friendly. They're going to have a great time. You're going to have a great time, except for maybe seeing that Alabama beach mouse. That, that one, a little bit uh, weird for me because I don't normally take vacations and look for mice. That's not what I do personally, but maybe that's kind of something you love to do. So check it out. Alabama's Gulf Coast, specifically Gulf Shores, Alabama, a great, great getaway. And we're happy here on the Y'all Show to tell you about it and perhaps get you heading that direction before the summer comes to an end. Now, I promised you earlier in the show that to help you get ready for this segment, I was going to play a little song. I forgot to do it going into the segment, but as we exit talking about 
L.A., Lower Alabama. I got to play this song. It's by a girl from L.A., not the one in Lower Alabama, but the one in Louisiana. Her name is Lainey Wilson. She's getting pretty successful with her latest song that's out about uh, things a man ought to know. But this is a track from her album, Redneck Hollywood. It's called L.A., and this is going to take us a break, and you'll hear a shout-out to Lower Alabama here on the Y'all Show Talk with the Southern Accent. John Rawl. In the commander's chair, and we've got a southern accent coming up next from Kobe Bennett. Kobe's going to file a report on the arts. It's all next here on The Y'all Show. Southern accent. Here's what's entertaining the South from y'all.com. I'm Kobe Bennett. For the second year in a row, the Country Music Awards Festival will not take place. Thankfully, for those who purchased four-day passes for CMA Fest last year and chose the rollover option, they will continue to honor those passes for CMA Fest 2022. Furthermore, though CMA is canceled, other music events, such as Bonnaroo and Austin City Limits, will go on as planned. The Bonnaroo Music and Arts Festival will take place in Manchester, Tennessee between September 2nd and 5th at the Great Stage Park, a 700-acre farm. The festival will feature acts such as the Foo Fighters, Megan the Stallion, Tyler the Creator, Lana Del Rey, and many more. Austin City Limits will be celebrating its 20th anniversary at Zilker Park in Austin, Texas, across two weekends on October 1st to 3rd and October 8th to 10th, and has a star-studded lineup including George Strait, Miley Cyrus, Billie Eilish, Stevie Nicks, and Baby. Tickets are already sold out for the festival, so don't fret over the CMA Fest as there are many other music festivals to attend throughout 2021. Entertainment headlines and more at y'all.com. All right, Kobe, thank you very much. Good news to know, and hey, man, I can go to Bonnaroo and get my groove on there this summer. So, yeah, just because I'm heartbroken over the CMA Fest not being held, I can get to Manchester and have a really smoking good time, if you know what I mean. <laughs> We're going to wrap this, y'all. Show. We're going to have a great time smoking or not non-smoking after this break. I'll tell you about Burger King taking a cheap shot at Chick-fil-A. What? What? That's coming up next on Talk with a Southern Accent as we wrap this show up. If there ever was a perfect night, this just might be the one for telling you the way I feel. Just how real we've become. Feller out here knocking on my door saying I better get up and get out of here so I, I better heed his advice. As we wrap up today's y'all show, a quick look at a story making some news this week. Burger King has taken a shot at Chick-fil-A and is going to donate money from a new chicken sandwich to an LGBTQ organization. That's not very Southern. And this comes to us. From Myrtle Beach, South Carolina is where this story originates from. Burger King taking this chick shot during what's called Pride Month and is going to donate money from this new chicken sandwich to the Human Rights Campaign, the largest LGBTQ civil rights organization. The company tweeting this week, 
that 40 cents from every Chuking sandwich sold this month will be donated to the Human Rights Campaign. The company said it would donate up to $250,000. Pretty bold move there, calling out Chick-fil-A. That's not very southern of this company that started in South Florida. Now, Chick-fil-A has come under fire in the past for donating money to anti-LGBTQ organizations. In 2019, Chick-fil-A said it would no longer donate to those organizations. And here, Burger King trying to add some fuel to a fire that had already been put out by Chick-fil-A with their Chick-King sandwich. Is this just a really bad publicity stunt, or is Burger King just plain sick? And in this case, I don't mean sick as a compliment. And I got a text sent to me that said something It's sick the other day. And that's a word that's been turned into a positive. Sick can be a positive. Did y'all know that? Yeah, sick. Something is sick is a good thing. And that kind of follows along other words in the English language that have been turned into crazy changes of their definition. Things like, let's see here, the word, for example, nervous can be used two different ways. All kinds of crazy words. This is a hard language, but here on the Y'all Show, we do our best to make it all make sense. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with another Y'all Show in the future.